Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our word for this morning's meditation comes from our gospel reading in Luke chapter 5, as previously read. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this morning as we look at the actions of the disciples and sit in awe of their willingness to leave everything and follow you. May you remind us of what you have done, of how you worked within their lives and within their midst to guide them into such a life. And that reflecting on what you have done in our lives, we may be inspired to leave everything and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our gospel reading for this morning closes with some very memorable, inspirational maybe, profound, mind-boggling, I-could-never-do-that sort of words. Think about it. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They just had the biggest catch of their lives. Their most successful moment as fishermen. And they walk away from it. They leave everything. And it can become very easy as we sit in awe of what James and John, the son of Zebedee, and Simon Peter do, we can also find guilt sort of creeping in, and the question pops in our mind, well, why haven't you left everything to follow him? What are you still holding on to that's keeping you from being so bold and leaving everything and following him. And so what in one moment inspires us, in the next moment condemns us. It's easy for us to get caught up in what the disciples did. And in the process, miss what Jesus had done in their lives in those moments to prompt them to take such a bold step of faith. I think one way to look at this change, this shift, this amazing moment, this thing that Jesus had done is to consider two words used by Simon Peter 
in our text. In verse 5, And Simon said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. And in verse 8, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Something happened to Simon that prompted his language to shift from calling Jesus Master to Jesus Lord. Now, if we just wanted to look at some Greek words and how Greek words are, are used, generally speaking, in the common language in, in the first century, really there wouldn't be all that significant of a difference between these two words. Master is a way that you use to, to, to signify someone of honor, someone that you're following. Lord could just as easily be sir. But when we look at how Luke uses the two words. There is something profound and significant that happens in between them in the life of Simon Peter that prompts in Lucan vocabulary a huge shift. In Luke, master tends to be a term that's used that honors and yet has a certain limited view and understanding of Jesus. When the disciples are in the boat on the sea and the storm is raging and Jesus is down below and asleep and they think they're going to die and they're terrified and they think Jesus doesn't notice or care, how do they refer to him? Master, Master. When the crowd has gathered around Jesus so tightly that people are pressing in on him from all sides, and a woman who has been bleeding for years reaches out and touches the hem of his garment, and Jesus asks who it was. And the disciples are like, everybody, they're all touching you. Master, how do you know that somebody touched you? Or on the Mount of Transfiguration, as Moses and Elijah have revealed themselves in their heavenly glory, standing next to the transfigured Christ. And Peter thinks, this is it! That whole cross thing that Jesus talked about, it's not going to happen. He is setting up his kingdom. He is establishing it right here, right now. Master, should I set up tents for you? Or the disciples' frustration as someone else casts out evil spirits in the name of Jesus, Master, what should we do with this guy? Or even ten lepers who cry out 
all of whom are healed, nine of whom don't recognize who it is that healed them. Because to them, Jesus is master. Honoring, yet limiting. Not realizing the fullness of who this man Jesus is. In our world today, this would be those who sort of see Jesus as an inspirational figure. They, they look at him, and they see all of the good that he did for the poor. They see all of, of the good that he did for people in his day and the way that he lived his life. All of his good deeds and his good works. And they try and model their life after Jesus because he was a really good guy and they want to be sort of like him. Or maybe, to bring it a little bit closer to home to the Christian world, it's Jesus as a self-help guru. You know, when you go into the Christian bookstore, and there, lined up on the shelves, is book after book after book, talking about the Jesus way to improve your life. The Jesus way to manage your finances. The Jesus way to fix your marriage. The Jesus way to deal with teenagers. The Jesus way to run your business. The Jesus way to diet and be fit. The Jesus way to do just about anything. It, it acknowledges him, it, it recognizes him, it honors him as having the key to something, but it, at the same time, is belittling of who he truly is. Or even on this Independence Day, we could think about those like Thomas Jefferson, who valued Jesus as a good moral teacher. I don't know if you know this, but you can go on to Amazon.com and for about 12 bucks, buy the Jefferson Bible. It's a copy of the, the edition of the New Testament, the Gospels, that, that Jefferson used for his personal reading. And what he did was... He took the pages of the Gospels and proceeded to cut out anything that was miraculous, anything that could not be explained. And he left himself with nothing but the moral teachings of Jesus. Because in Jefferson's mind, there was no room for a virgin birth. There was no place for walking on the water or healing the leper or the raising of Lazarus or even the resurrection of Christ himself. 
But the moral teachings of Jesus, the Beatitudes, this is how you live, this is what you do, this is the way to conduct your life. Jefferson devoted those things to heart. But sadly, while it honors some aspects of Jesus, it limits who he truly is. It fails to recognize everything about him. It leaves him as master, but doesn't make him Lord. Peter opens our text today talking about Jesus, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Jesus, we've been up all night. We have worked all night. We are professional fishermen. We know where to go. We know what to do. We know how to fish. We are now in the process of cleaning and mending our nets so we can do it all over again tomorrow night. We had a horrible night last night, Jesus. It's daytime now, Jesus. The fish are not out now, Jesus. You might be a good teacher, but you are a lousy fisherman, Jesus. But okay. Since you say so, we'll go out. And all of a sudden, something happens that doesn't happen. fish that are not out in the lake in the middle of the day are in the lake in the middle of the day. Fish are out in the lake in the middle of the day in quantities that fish do not gather in in one place. The catch of their lives, two boats filled to the point they are about to sink with fish. This is not just a chance happening. This is miraculous. This is the hand of God reaching from outside of space and time as we know it and making something happen that doesn't happen happen. And it's Jesus who is this hand, who is doing this thing, who is guiding these fish in quantities they don't swim in to places they don't gather in in the times of the day where they don't go and is prompting fish to fill and make these boats sink. This man isn't someone who deserves our honor. 
This isn't a man who deserves our respect. No, Peter realizes. This is a man who deserves my worship. And all of a sudden, he finds himself on his knees at the feet of Jesus, crying out to his Lord, realizing that he has no right to be in the place that he finds himself. For he is a sinful man, and he has encountered the Holy One of Israel. The language for, for Lord throughout the books of Luke and Acts, which was also written by Luke. It's a single leper who comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There is no doubt about who he is approaching. He is approaching the one who with a word can take away an incurable disease. It's a name that the disciples discover when they do things in the name of Jesus that when they do things in the name of the Lord they have power over demons. the way that Jesus refers to the Father. It's the title that those in Acts use when referring to Jesus in prayer. It's how Saul refers to Christ on the road to Damascus. As Saul is blinded and he cries out, Who are you, O Lord? And Jesus reveals to him who he is. In fact, the only time in Luke-Acts when you ever get the impression that the word Lord could stand for something like Sir is a few times when Jesus uses it in a parable and whoever is referred to as Sir is the individual in the parable who stands in the place of God. For Peter, this miracle of Jesus, this revelation of who this man Jesus is, changed his understanding not only of who Jesus is, moving him from master to Lord, but changed Peter's understanding of himself. The other way that the word Lord is used in Luke-Acts is when Peter talk or when Jesus talks about discipleship. And he basically says for those who call me lord 
their entire life is reordered around the reality that God made human has come into their lives, has revealed himself to them, and has declared them to be something they could never be on their own, the forgiven, chosen people of God. That act of Jesus transforms Peter's life. That act of Jesus is what allows him to walk away from the greatest catch of his life. That act of Jesus is something that would allow Peter to sing, What is the world to me? As we did to open our service this morning. But Jesus hasn't just revealed himself to Peter. He's also revealed himself to you. It might not have been as impressive as a miraculous catch of fish, but on that day, however many years ago, Jesus came to you in water and words and revealed himself to not just be master, but to be Lord. Jesus continues to come to you in the unimpressive bread and wine that is his very body and blood. And he says, I'm not your master. I'm your Lord. He comes to you week in and week out through the word of God that is spoken to you. A word that reveals him not to be master, but to be Lord. Reveals him to be the one who makes you something that you can't be by yourself. The chosen, forgiven, holy people of God. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. As we leave this place, I invite you, fully aware of who Jesus is in your life, to leave everything and follow him. In Jesus' name, amen.